It's Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. This is our weekly chronicle of local news where we bring in a compendium of local journalists, the award-winning folks who tell the news every week and we do a little bit of a deeper dive. I'm Joe Shaw. I am your co-host. I'm executive editor of the Express News Group. We publish the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and the website 27East.com. With me is my co-host, Bill Sutton. He is the managing editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everybody. Good panel today. We have Denise Civiletti, who is the editor of Riverhead Local. Hey, Denise. Good morning. <laughs> Good to have you here. Uh, Beth Young, who's editor of the East End Beacon. Hey, Beth. Good morning. And we got a first timer this week, uh, Kitty Merrill, our own Kitty Merrill, a staff writer at the Express News Group. Hey, Kitty. Hey. Good to have you. So we're going to start with you. Um, a story this week that. Uh, startled me when it came up. And as a Hampton Bays residence, I love to see Hampton Bays in the news. I don't know why it's always for bad things. Uh, it seems like <laughs> seems like there's never any good news. This was a really interesting story this week. Um, a contract that the town drew up with a consultant that relates to uh, an ongoing uh, study that's going on in Hampton Bays right now. Uh, got a little closer scrutiny uh, one of our readers actually wrote a letter uh, that we received early in the week, and we were able to go to town officials. They noticed that there was some language in that contract that ended up getting struck once we raised it with the town officials. Tell us about what it said uh, that's a little unusual. Um, it was right on the very first page of a scope included with the contract was um, a provision in the first in the right in the first paragraph under community outreach that said um, the consultants as they undergo community outreach will um, work to neutralize neutralize opponents by portraying them as traditional NIMBYs who are spreading misinformation um, to, to promote their own agenda. So to be clear, this is in the contract with <laughs> with the company that is supposed to conduct the public import in, the public input portion of this process that is correct and now, so they base they basically gave away the game that they were they were planning to discredit opponents of this of this plan right planning to if not if it has not already been going on because no. the opponents basically said, aha, you finally put in writing what you have been doing all along. Mm -hmm. That was that, that's, you know, that was said the night, that night at Amina. Yeah. And so what was the fallout? What, once you raised it with town officials, what, what happened? So here's what happened. So we get the thing on, we get the information on Monday night. I send off uh, FOIL requests to the town officials, the supervisor and the um, town attorney. They respond to me right away. They send it to me the very next morning. No questions, no stall, no nothing. They send it to me the very next morning. So we have it in our hands, not just belonging to a source. We have it in our hands. So I start calling. I get Jay on the phone, Jay Schneiderman, the supervisor. He's He is speechless at first. He's speechless, and then he says something along the lines of, well, this has to come out. I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not happy with this language. So then I called Janice Shearer, who is the person who was tasked, she's the head of the land use department. She's the person who was tasked with reviewing the whole, the scope. So she says, um, I must have missed that. First she doesn't believe me and then she goes on her own computer and pulls it up and sees it and goes, oh God, no, I must, I must have missed this. That and was I'm, her reaction, right? Yeah, oh God, no. <laughs> so, so then, um, who else? So then I sent it to the town attorney a little bit later in the day, but I'm going to say like, so this all went on around 10 or 11 in the morning, uh, by three o'clock in the afternoon, Jay calls me back breathless. And he says, okay, well, we are contacting, um, we have talked with the, uh, we made our displeasure known to the consultants who, by the way, they didn't call me back. They're the only ones that didn't call me back and talk mess no. up to me about it. We made our displeasure known to the, to the, to the, um, to the uh, consultants. We are removing that aspect of the contract. They will not be in charge of their um, of community outreach. And we got to do what we can do to restore public confidence. Yeah, good so luck. then, 
all right. So I'm like, okay. And he says to me, and he, Jay says to me, should I make a public statement? I'm like, well, you're going to give away my scoop, man. <laughs> so, 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 so then comes the town board meeting that night. And they, it was the town. Oh, this, this contract had already been signed, right? I mean, oh, I yeah, wanna, yeah. I, I want to clarify that, that when they said well, we I, didn't see it, they had reviewed this contract and signed it. It was, it was a done deal. Oh, sure. And not only it was, so it was reviewed. <clears throat> You got to figure it's reviewed by the town attorney's office. It's reviewed by the land use um, uh, administrator. It's one would hope read by Jay. Uh, the, the, the consultant supposedly would have read it. The woman's name is Carrie O'Farrell. She's a partner with the Nelson Pope and Voorhees, her, her letterhead. It's all on her letterhead. So along comes a town board meeting for that night. And Jay had called me all breathless. I'm going to do a walk on resolution. So along comes the town board meeting, and it turns out to be one of those board meetings where there are, oh, I'm going to say 30 speakers, other yeah. topics, public hearings. They go on and on and on. It starts at 6. At 10 o'clock that night, they finally get the public comment. So up comes Ray D'Angelo, who has sat through all of that. It's four He's hours. a Hampton-based resident. Hampton-based resident, somebody who's on the neutralized list, probably. <laughs> he gets up and he never pulls a punch. He gets up sometimes, he criticizes what they're wearing. I didn't get the memo, you all got blue jackets on. So he so so he gets up and he um he reads the offending passage to them. He um he says, This reads like a banana crime family contract. And he says, This is a smoking gun. This is what we thought you've been doing all along. So then starts the apologies. Those go on for close to 40 minutes. Jay does a mea culpa. Janice gets up and uh, Shira gets up and does the mea culpa. Um, Carrie O'Farrell com comes in on the Zoom and takes responsibility. They all take responsibility to pass the thing. They take them out of, um, of being the, the entity that does community outreach. $25,000 they're going to lose out of a contract for $209,000 to redo what they did before for $150,000. So, <laughs> so Ray D'Angelo says, well, I guess it costs more to neutralize people. Yeah. Uh -huh. So as a Hampton Bay's resident, um, the thing that bothers me most about this, and by the way, um, someone made the comment to me uh, yesterday about the folks in Hampton Bays who have been opposed to this this redevelopment plan. It's it's basically a plan to change zoning in Hampton Bays and to do some redevelopment um, to, to change Hampton Bays in a fairly significant way. Um, and the town actually approved a plan that ended up being overturned in court, right, Kitty? Because mm -hmm. it, it turned out they didn't they didn't follow the process. This is all about their efforts. This is all about their efforts to resurrect it. And also, a lot of it has to do with one of some of the stuff that they're doing is part of their appeals process in court. So right. I would imagine the opponent can just go, well, also part of their appeals process is this provision. Can, right. can I just add something here that I, sure. that I, I think is kind of ironic, I guess? But the, the reason why they're redoing this, as you point out, is that the plan got overturned in court. Uh, they didn't follow the State Environmental Quality Review Act process, but it was overturned as a result of an action, an Article 78 action brought by a citizen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, did it herself. I'm sure she's at the top of the list of people to neutralize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's like the irony here. It's like, that's, that's hilarious. And critical to that secret process, which they have to you know redo, is 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 including and addressing public comment. Public comments. So, so it's <laughs> that was going to be my point is that for the folks in Hampton Bay, someone made a comment to me yesterday. The folks who were opposed and it felt like the town has been pushing this project over their objections, you know. Sometimes when you think you're paranoid, they're really out the gate. Yeah. And, and, and this sort of confirms it. And I just think that the loss of trust with the town, I mean, I, there wasn't much to begin with, with Hampton Bays. And I just think it's devastating. But so, Kitty, I, I'm curious, and you and I haven't even had a chance to talk about this story mm -hmm. since, since it was published. So there's only a couple of options here. One is that... Nobody read the contract, 
and this was in there and nobody read it and it was approved and that's bad. <laughs> the only other option is worse, which is they read the contract, saw this phrase and said, yeah, okay. That, that, no, that's no, no, nobody, will, nobody will notice that. <laughs> what do you think? What do you, go, go, go. you I don't think you know any better than, than any of us, but what's your inclination? Do you think they just didn't see this in the contract? Well, first of all, I know better than all of you. Just be honest. But here's the deal. This is why I this this is why I'm kind of this is well, I I lend I lend towards I always kind of lend towards um, incompetence rather than nefariousness. (laughs) I, I, I really do. And when the conspiracy theories come up. So here's why I think it's probably so that they didn't read the contract to see those things. Because why in God's green earth would they send it to me so quickly? I have yeah. some friends. I have some friends that worked uh, public <laughs> public relations and as communications directors for other entities not around here. And when I, I I had to talk to somebody about it, so when I called and told them after they stopped laughing, because yeah. they laughed, roared in laughter. They said, oh, my God, as soon as we got a FOIL request for anything, we would have a team dissecting that piece of paper. Right. Why does a reporter want this? But they just sent it right to me. No questions asked. No stall. You know, what does that tell you about them? Right. It it tells me either (laughs) didn't know either. They they were just like, oh, here comes Kitty every day. She's asking us for some kind of paperwork. So let's just send it along. Send it along. But that that. That that kind of leans in their favor of they didn't see it and they're incompetent. Um, the thing that leans in the the nefarious kind of leans towards the consultant because they didn't call back because they didn't talk to me. Yeah. You know, so I, and that's just my, that's just my you know my eyes rolling up in my head that you know you don't call oh. me back you're ducking and I know that Jay talked to them in the afternoon because he told me so. And he said, we reached an agreement and we're taking it out. So I know he talked to them and I guess he didn't say, you know, you better call this reporter back. They had to be pretty red faced about it. Denise, you, you oh, said they put something. it in their contract. <laughs> you well, that's, that's, I mean, that's the funniest thing about it is look, I, I would imagine that, that, that kind of, I don't want to call it a policy, but that kind of stance is probably fairly regular with a lot of land use consultants that's how we're going to deal with opposition which you know well you know in 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 a lighter sense we will you know we will you know what not neutralize but but we will address their opposition as you know not not valid or or whatever but but to actually put that in writing um in in their scoping paperwork is just what what boggles my mind i mean all right you know i would imagine that things like that are said behind closed doors all the time that this is how we address you know op- opposition but but to write it down i mean that you know it's some, just, in, it's, some it's, intern intern at that at that consulting company's in a lot of trouble well, well, took some notes at a meeting and, and typed it up right but here's, a, here's the thing they, they they the the excuse the excuse given by um janice and nelson pope and Voorhees is that they had a pr firm subcontractor yeah who who, who um specializes in getting permits for developers that would um that wrote that section and put that section in and so but who is no longer working you know did they identify that contractor no and so but 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 to my mind it's it's still underneath her name absolutely absolutely the the, um the resolution (laughs) the contract says this person reviewed it that person reviewed it and we authorized the supervisor to stop it and, and, the, and the and the contract is 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 for for the review, right? It's not like Nelson Pope Voorhees is supposed to be coming in promoting the project. They're coming in as a consultant to, to, to yeah, I'm sorry to look to to look at it and and to do the review and to say you know these are these are potential issues that need to be addressed and this is how they should be addressed and all that. It's not. It's not like this is the the actual developer coming in, 
you know, they're not representing the developer. They're representing they're the town and the tax the people, the people of the town. To say, this is, you know, this is the big picture look at, at what would happen if if this overlay district is, is, is approved. I mean, they're basically redoing what they fouled up. Yeah. The first time. Right. And then Denise, Denise, when we were off air, you made a point that that this is bigger than just Hampton Bays. I mean, there there this this is sort of revealing in a lot of ways about the frustration that we all have with the public comment process on on all kinds of of projects. And Denise, does does this sort of offer a glimpse behind the, the curtain a little bit and see, you know, that that. This that this may reveal more about what the attitude is towards public input, and and also towards the job that the council members are supposed to be doing. I would, you know, I mean, um, it, it it blows my mind how many things they vote on without obviously without reading, like because when they are asked questions, they have no idea, and no. when and there are sometimes huge mistakes in contracts and resolutions that they don't see some of which are beneficial to developers and it makes you wonder you know i mean we're always asking ourselves incompetence or corruption which is it you know and unfortunately like in this situation (laughs) incompetence is the best you can hope for right (laughs) it's kind of crazy um but you know there is i would say um it's obvious uh, at least in in Riverhead Town, that there is kind of um, uh, widespread, should I say, like disdain toward the people who get up and speak at right. any kind yeah. of a meeting or public forum. You can just like it's like you could tell by their body language, by their the expressions on their faces. You can tell by the level with which they pay attention to what people are saying by their responses and and sometimes by outright like scolding and such like yeah. you know i mean we had a councilman who's no longer on the board who would say you know to the president of waiting river civic association you know i know you don't represent everybody in waiting river i know a lot of people in waiting river you only represent a few people in your group there that's you know like they don't believe that these folks are anything but a small group of cracks yeah. You and know, even like the former supervisor in Riverhead gets up and 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 makes some some really um, pointed questions. And the current supervisor just just belittles her the entire time. Yeah. I, she, um, uh, you know, like she does that, I got to say, more than anyone else I've ever seen. Like, yeah, you know, um, and I wouldn't want to get up in have, front of them and know. speak. It's really chilling. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, that's the point, yeah. Beth. If you if yeah. you discourage that, then you know, then it doesn't happen. Yeah. And I can say that, like years ago, covering the Suffolk County Legislature, they would they would have public hearings, and that's when the guys they would get up and leave. They weren't mm-hmm. even there. They would just wow. leave the leave the walk all around. Yeah. What does that? What message does that send about they the importance care. of public yeah. input on a project? Yeah. You know, they don't I think lines, we don't care. Disregard. Kitty, I think you'll join me in saying I, I feel like this was a great example of why this is such an interesting area to cover as journalists. This started when a citizen, uh, Elizabeth Hook, wrote a letter to the editor for this week pointing out this phrase in the contract. We quite frankly didn't see it. We we didn't review the contract to that to that degree. But in in this region. The citizenry is plugged in and they will review everything closely. And I think we picked up the ball and ran with it after Elizabeth Hook wrote that letter in time for the print deadline to get the answers that you were able to get. But this all started with community involvement. So there's an irony to that, too, that, look, if you're not going to work with members of the public, they'll be happy to work against you. Yeah. And it's great that they come to the press. Yeah, and, and what's interesting that's, that's is what? when I saw when I first saw it in the letter to the editor, I knew that Liz is an attorney, so yeah. I knew she wasn't going to send us that provision that was made up. But still, we were able to get and for you know quickly get a copy of it out well, ourselves. I'm glad you knew that because I looked at it and I'm like, this just can't be right. 
That was, was my initial response. I was incredulous. It was like, and that can't be. To be clear, she didn't reach out to us. You know, she didn't reach out to us and say, you should do a story. She simply wrote a letter to the editor that identified this. And uh, it just jumped yeah. out at us. And, you know, it, we said, wow. So, I mean, to go back to the fact that, like, this friend of yours in the community as a communications officer says, uh, his response was basically, well, I'm surprised they sent you that to you so quickly because, you know, <laughs> we, we have a team of people that dissect every foil that comes in asking, why does the reporter want this? Yeah. Because, you know, like, that's the... You know, there's such an us against them attitude. Well, and the other thing they would do is they would, you know, they and both these guys work for the same for the same person. And they both said to me, we would watch the law and say, when is the latest possible time we can respond? Yeah. Yeah. You asked on Monday, you asked on Monday on uh, five days. So five Mm -hmm. days later at 459, they'd say they'd send you a response of we have received it and we'll review it. Well, well, now now you're going to get that reaction every time going. Yeah, don't give away the secret here because that's what that's what you know, we see that a lot. It happens all the time. I heard from someone who was a former town attorney who said my job was to review contracts line by line. Because 99% of it is boilerplate, but every once in a while, you have something that's in there like this. And this is pretty rare, I think. And and I, it was a wow story, Kitty, and I tip my yeah. hat to you because you yeah. really nailed it down in, in, a, in a quick quick period of time. I think it's a story that's going to have real repercussions for a very long time. Yeah. Most, you know, in Hampton base, for sure. But. Uh, for town government in general, I, I think it's it's a real black eye. Town town uh, government's going to really have to skip and run to try to try to gain back any confidence that that they had, if they had any. Um, that you know, if I lived in Hampton Bays, I wouldn't I wouldn't trust a word anybody said after this point. You know, and one of the problems is, and this is a this is like they have shot themselves in the foot about this so many times. I'm just like picturing a centipede. Because all <laughs> they needed to do, in my opinion, is just be just lay it all out there from the get go. Yeah. But this whole thing has been like shrouded in this cloak of you know ambiguous language, and saying there's misinformation. You know, if I were if I were a citizen of Hampton Bays, I would say, what's the misinformation, and what's the rebuttal? How about you just do that? Yeah. But they it just, hints, keep, you know, they just it, keep going, well, that's not true. How about those Mets? Yeah, <laughs> it hints at something bigger. And I, and I think Denise is absolutely right. Just like when there's a bad article in a newspaper, I don't think people differentiate. They just say the newspapers got stuff wrong. They don't really single out individual papers. Something like this happens. I think it has repercussions for for officials all over the East End. So it, it was definitely a big story. And I think we're going to be seeing the ripple effects of that for a while. So that this said, is, I have a, a very happy, happy, happy story about Hampton Bays coming up next mm-hmm. week. Good. That's what we like. <laughs> Stay tuned. Like those two, yeah. definitely. This is Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group, as is Love Kitty it. Merrill, who is our guest today as a panelist. Uh, she's a staff writer for us. Uh, also with us, Beth Young, the editor of the East End Beacon, and Denise Civiletti, the editor of Riverhead Local. Denise, um, let's talk about Riverhead a little bit. Um, you had an interesting uh, development this week when it comes to uh, alternative energies and some of the problems that that pop up uh, related to that. Tell us about the story you wrote. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had a couple of um, interesting developments in that respect. Um, so, you know, Riverhead has uh, over 600 acres now of um, so-called solar farms, you know, commercial solar energy production facilities, because they take a lot of space. And um, they are all uh, within reach of a LIPA substation off of Edwards Avenue in Calverton. And, you know, one thing about renewables is that they produce energy if it's a solar farm or solar facility, like when it's sunny out and with the wind energy, if it, if there's enough wind and, you know, sometimes uh, energy is required when it's not sunny or windy. And so what happens, you know, so to really, you know, by, by state law, really, that the 
localities have to permit and allow um, these storage facilities because those are the things that are going to make like the network of renewable energy um, sustainable and reliable and useful long term. You know, what we're, that's the only way they're really going to eliminate fossil fuel electrical generation is if there's a way to harness that energy and store it for use at a time when there's peak demand and there may not or there may not be, you know, good production. It's so, an essential part of the whole system. Right? It absolutely is. And and so it's really, really necessary to make this work and to, you know, uh, free ourselves from, from fossil fuel energy. Um, and so, you know, we have started to see publicly in Riverhead and in other places as well, um, proposals for these battery energy storage systems that they call BESS, B-E-S-S. Um, and... These are facilities where they are. They have large uh, lithium-ion batteries that have each each one of these containers that has these batteries in it has an HVAC system on top to keep them cool because they get hot, as we know from our own chargers and things that we use. And um, they, you know, they can put like hundreds of these in a relatively small space, and um, they can store. Um, sometimes hundreds of megawatts of, of energy for deployment at a later time. And um, so, you know, we've been learning a lot about this as much as a crash course in this stuff. But, um, you know, it's a relatively new technology, really. And um, it's still evolving. Um, but, you know, there's a push in New York, certainly, you know, what is it, 70 percent by 2030? You know, 70 oh. uh, renewable energy by 2030. And so, you know, there's a real push to get these things online. And so we've, we've seen a couple, um, a couple of proposals that have seen the light of day anyway. We don't really know what's behind the scenes yet in Riverhead. And um, we hear that some of these companies are really, really big companies, too. you got companies like, you know, Shell Oil involved in making, you know, the, the renewables division, making, you know, doing these things. And um, they, the, the, they the, are... The, town, the town's got to change the code to kind of... Allow well, these to come I mean, in, right? Uh, you know, the town does. The town code does not currently have this as a permitted use, right? So, oh. you know, um, the town wants to regulate like where these things can be placed and how they operate, and the you know safety, et cetera, et cetera. And so, they have been developing for a number of months in Riverhead, um, which is like the solar capital of the East End. Um, these uh, a battery storage code. And uh, they got one in shape enough for a public hearing, um, and it went to public hearing last week. And at the, like simultaneously, almost the planning board agenda is published for. So there was a public hearing by the town board Tuesday on this code, and the planning board agenda for Thursday had one of these facilities on the agenda, and um, yeah. the planning uh, building and. Planning Administrator Jefferson Murphy um, said that it was put on the agenda to educate the planning board and the public. Um, in fact, Murphy had already signed a letter denying this app, the site plan application, and telling them that they had to go for a um, a special exception use, or uh, they had to go. No, I'm sorry, they had that was another one. They had to go and get uh, the ZBA to grant them the uh, the right to trans to change from one non-conforming use to another. Mm. Yeah, I mean and, the, the uh, point is the planning board couldn't approve this project. The planning board couldn't approve it and it was just there to educate them. But even as this denial letter is issued on the same day, the planning department staff issues a notice of incomplete application as if the application is <laughs> still pending. Which uh, you know it's inside baseball but that you know, and, and Murphy tells me, well, we do that because we want to expedite things for people. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. There's a code pending. Why would you like want this completely circumvents the code? No. It's on a piece of property that's zoned. Um, it's it's zoned incorrectly, I think, residential because it's surrounded by commercial industrial uses, except for on one side, it's backs up to the Glenwood Village mobile home, manufactured home park. Uh, very close by, but technically it's zone residential and 
like, how could this be that issues of whether it could actually be a non-conforming use aside, um, because it doesn't exist anywhere in the code. Um, why would you kind of like do an end run around this code? Because it's not going to go before the town board for a special permit. If it gets permission from the zoning board, it's coming right back to the planning board. And so, you know, <coughs> excuse me, turns out there was a second application also <laughs> pending that they kind of did the same thing with and mm -hmm. uh you know denied it complete application go get a special exception use that was the special exception they're going in, so, in three three different directions for the same applications right why not just wait for the for the town board to uh well yeah and owning thing and then then yeah, you know where you uh, can put these well that's exactly what a lot of people are saying including the town supervisor who frankly got really really angry when she got wind of this going before the planning board and um you know as in it was brought to her attention by a resident how about that <laughs> um, there you go <laughs> who actually read this the planning board agendas you know that's another story but anyhow um so you know she got really mad and she made some comments at the um at the town board work session Thursday, uh, Mr. Murphy was there about something else and she questioned him about this. And um, that's when he said, oh, there's two of them. Um, and so, you know, she, she, I called her to ask her to clarify her comments, which required clarification. And um, she called me back on Saturday morning and just kind of went off the rails about that, what happened and about, but about Murphy and about her fellow councilman who she's mad at, I think she was mad at to begin with. Mm. You know, we have an all, it's a one party board has been since uh, Supervisor Aguirre's election. It's an all Republican board, but of course, you know, there's division in the board. And um, according to the supervisor, two of the council members are looking to run for a supervisor and they're out to get her. And she wow. talked about like this, you know, she said this old boy, a good old boys system, she called it, um, that, you know, they're all drinking buddies and they go <laughs> oh out. And they, oh, yeah, she said all these things yeah. on the record. On the record. That's <laughs> strong. You know, yeah, she said yeah. a lot of really, um, like I said, it was kind of an off the rails conversation. If it wasn't like relatively early on a Saturday morning, I would have thought, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What's fueling this? But, but no, I, you know, it was she. She was really angry, um, and she also included in this conspiracy um, this attorney for one of the solar uh, farms, and that was approved, who was actually like a really well con politically connected to the Republican Party attorney, and um, served as at the last nominating convention served as the Riverhead Republican Committee's um, uh, parliamentarian. Uh, he's like got really, you know, big county connections. And I I heard through the grapevine that, and I don't know, he denied this to me at the time, but like that he was there to make sure things didn't get out of control because there was some talk at the time that one of these councilmen that she's accusing of trying to undo her, you know, subterfuge her, uh, was actually going to try to get the nomination and he was there mm. to kind of keep it in in place but in any event she threw she included him he she said he wrote this legislation with murphy and this other councilman behind the scenes and her her the what she offered as proof of that was that he submitted public comments to the town clerk afterwards mm. what uh, and she and she said that was proof because that was just to cover up the fact that he was working behind the scenes. Oh my. So wow. I'm like, okay. Intrigue. So then I call the other, I call the, naturally, I call the councilman and I call, uh, I get in touch with Mr. Murphy and I get in touch with Mr. Uh, Steve Lasquadro, this attorney uh, who has different applications before the board and everything. And, you know, everybody, well, Murphy didn't even want to talk about it. He was like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to respond to ad hominem attacks, he said. And um, Mr. Lasquadro absolutely denied it. But the two councilmen responded kind of in kind and said all kinds of things. 
that, you know, I mean, the word narcissist was used, um, mm. bully, uh, you know, I mean, like they responded, they were kind of just as off the rails as she. So obviously things have and, gone south in a big way. And again, oh to emphasize, this is a one party board. This is right. not a board. These sometimes are the best. That's the funny thing is you see these one party boards and we have a few, you know, on on the on the South Shore, too. And and everybody thinks, well, they're all going to they're all going to work, you know, together and in, in lockstep. And, and you know, they're you know, I, I think, you know, different philosophies and different egos and all that always get involved. And there's always, uh, um, you know, I think a little bit of infighting and and pressure to put it you have parties put it mildly one. yeah exactly then and everybody's you know everybody's got aspirations to you know to move on a little bit but, and, but don't you kind of as a citizen don't you kind of love that yeah <laughs> absolutely. i have the one party forward <laughs> no, but I, and as a reporter I think it's healthy to a, but, to but a large when, degree when i have a one party board and everybody says yes to everything all the time it's like uh yeah that's i mean it makes the it difficult thing, to get to the truth sometimes. The funny oh, thing yeah. is, at board meetings and stuff, I mean, there's typically very little dissent. Like, there might be a no vote by somebody once in a while or something, but... Or they like, don't say this, why. They, this stuff doesn't, like, there's not that kind of, like, debate where you're saying it's healthy. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, it would be if there was that kind of debate. This board has taking the like secrecy thing they talk about their transparency but like they talk about things offline constantly mm. like that's by emails by you know and they're quick to say oh we do we we discuss things two by two like yeah. like so it's not an official meeting well big deal like you're still discussing things behind closed doors that should yeah. be discussed in a public forum and so you know that that happens a lot but one of these councilmen tim hubbard who's like the longest serving member of the board that's on the board right now. Um, he he said, you know, I'm considering running, and he said I'm not ready to you know make that announcement now, but I am considering it. And then the other councilman that she accused of conspiring with Mr. Hubbard is a guy that just got on the board, uh, who was her darling during the first year of. <laughs> she like assigned him to everything. She thought he was you know, well she's mad at him now. And anyway, she's really mad at him now because. He said that if Tim should run, he I fully support him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like so, okay. So beyond the politics of this, when you talk about these battery storage facilities, yes. Sorry. there's a there's a real I mean, I mean the the one issue that arises with this is why would people care if one of these was located next door to them, for instance? What what's the what is the big concern there? Well, I mean, there there definitely are fire risks and public safety risks with these things. I mean, you know, they they're absolutely there have been incidents. There are, you know, I mean, you, we've had houses burned down because of you know charger computer chargers and things yeah. going on fire. And you know, I, I imagine um, if they've all got HVAC units on top of them, that that's a pretty loud industrial facility, too. I mean, well, no, I mean, there's there's pay. a noise factor. There is there is a question of fire and so public safety. Fire departments need to be, you know, trained in how to fight these fires if uh, they, and they really occur. aren't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Beth, and so is that far, something you know. that you're in the, the emergency response community? Is that something that's being discussed at all? Is there is there training for the for that kind of thing, preparing for the, the arrival of these facilities? The only thing we've really ever had training on is electric cars because they're moving around on the roads yeah. and they're more but um i mean battery storage facilities it, it's a real explosion risk because the gases when when the batteries overheat the gases overheat and um you introduce oxygen you get like an explosion and you can't f fight them with normal um like you don't go in there with water um so they're supposed to have what they call a clean agent in their fire suppression system that at neutralizes everything but th that technology is still really new and mm. you know that's that's like you know just your sprinkler system a special specially designed system for, for specifically for battery energy storage systems and that that technology is still a work in progress for sure mm. yeah and i just feel like this is this is going to be an issue all over the region Absolutely. because and especially with the the wind farm starting that's another facility that's going to you know this is about solar but it's also about 
uh, the wind farm, you're going to have to do something similar. And I, I know one mm. of the one of the strategies is that we may see a lot more of these kinds of batteries in homes too. And you, you do see them now, but that's one of the, one of the ideas is to sort of have each home have its own storage facility. They're uh, making till, yeah. Till, yeah. Till then you need these big places, right? And they're going to probably be more yeah. of them, not just, not just in Riverhead, but all over the region. I would say, I would say there are, and including even, you know, um, near facilities that are coming, you know, where the power is coming ashore, and, and on the South Fork, I mean, that's going to be an interesting battle. Um, but, you know, I, I, I mean, here's the thing, you know, these things are needed. And so we need to we need to be smart about it. And it all gets back to planning and preparation. And, you know, I mean, you have to see these things coming for, you know, since they started allowing all these solar facilities like but nothing got done until after applications had been filed. And it's like, oh. You know, mm. and of course, you know, Riverhead's master plan is stalled completely. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, a whole yeah, yeah. that's a whole other. That's a whole other. It all ties in together, you know. Yeah. And and yeah. but so right now in this on this um, three and a half acre lot on Mill Road um, next to the, like the railroad tracks by the post office down on Mill Road over there, um, there's um, a proposal for what is would be if built the, the largest battery energy storage facility on Long Island so far. It's an 80 megawatt, no, it's a 100 megawatt, 200 megawatt hour um, facility with, I forget how many batteries, but it's like they have these banks of 16 containers and there's like a bunch of them um, yeah. on, on, this, on this property. And, and it's um, a pretty developed area too. It's not yeah, like, I mean, it's got, you know, it's got the, the railroad line, yeah. it's got a, a mini storage place right next to it. It's got Glenwood community on the other side. So, I mean, it's pretty, you know, kind of congested there. Um, and, you know, it's, but, but these things are going to be everywhere. There's a, mm-hmm. I found out a 574 megawatt battery storage facility kicking in the works for um in holbrook you know where they had that big um facility there it's a it's a fossil fuel burning generator i guess i don't know and um and they've got a major transformer there when you ride on the expressway you see like (laughs) it's um, this rings a bell i think there was a there was a proposal west of the canal in southampton town for one of these facilities right i feel like and as i said when we were chatting before, I haven't really delved into these at all. Yeah, um, I, I remember it coming it, up in it passing. In Bay, so I better hurry up. You know? <laughs> it was, yeah, exactly. It was well, I, I hear the neighbors really like it in Hampton Bays. That's what I've heard. <laughs> but um, I, I feel like there may be as many as three. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. And I remember we wrote about like that not long ago. Possibly two. And it is possible that there are two in Hampton Bays out of that yeah. three. And then another I mean, one, maybe in, I, I don't want to say because I'm not sure, Watermill Bridge Hampton, I, I'm uncertain. And I remember that we did have a story recently. I have to go learn everything you learned. It's going to be a story we write about all yeah. the time, I think, yeah. coming up. I think we're all going to be writing about it. We're all going to be I mean, there's hazards to every form of energy production. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. This is a good and it's story a matter of really learning to to get the tech technology under control i mean and man and managing it and i mean it we, right we could we could have had a nuclear power plant right here in jamesport and a lot of That's people right. forget that i mean that was a that was a real thing people were talking about 34 years ago yeah it's it's so, interesting when you compare it to what might have been uh, it was part of lipa's regional plan i mean they know. had they had plans i think for two or three nuclear power plants besides right. shore on the north shore Right. So, absolutely. You know. absolutely. Oh, and then yep. you have the floating the uh, Broadwater. Oh, Lordy, uh-huh. Lordy. <laughs> yeah. That was Rudy Giuliani. Actually, was the you know the front man for that. The liquefied natural gas barge that yeah. they wanted to like you know dock off the shore of Wading River. Well, the great okay. thing about that is if you have a fire, you can just cut the line and let it drift out to sea and let it become Bermuda's <laughs> problem. Connecticut's problem, the where it was set. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, 
I mean, but all of this stuff, I see it, the big picture is just a major, major step in the right direction. You know, I mean, yeah. we have to I not mean, ever lose sight of that. This is well, the especially, I mean, especially with all the with all the solar farms in, in Calverton, I mean, you know, it just yeah. makes sense to, you know, to have these there. But again, but think, you know, you that said, was done without planning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, and there are yeah. also like, I mean, you know, environmental justice issues here, too, because these facilities, like so many facilities, end up in locations where uh people are poorer land is cheaper well, and I'm then the, you know that you said this one was proposed near a near a trailer park and that kind of doesn't yeah. surprise me that's yeah that's where these well, facilities kind of go you know it's it's not your grandfather's trailer park anymore yeah, really. mobile, <laughs> mobile home community job the manufacturing <laughs> home. i mean they're they're you know True, these they're, are not they're... these are not mobile you know gotcha and, and that's, that's a nice that's a nice park but it's very it's, it's not very there. densely developed though i mean yeah, you know there are there's like all hundreds section. of homes there so yeah. there's, there's no know. estate section nearby that's the point that's exactly right jump, yes, jump in kitty well you, you pull, going back to the theme of um public outreach i think one of the things that happens in the social justice that you're mentioning is so many of these things um they take care of during the even if they are being transparent they have these meetings at one o'clock on a tuesday afternoon working people the people who are living near yeah. what this stuff is getting proposed they're at work yeah they're busy mm -hmm. they're working you know they're not they don't have the time to sit there and read through all these things most of the yeah. time so and also why bother when, why bother when the town is saying openly that they're they're not going to listen to, right, to opposition anyway let's just neutralize the ones that do yeah going up. back to the original but, that's, i mean i feel like the best that we can do and an obligation that we have as reporters is to explain these things to people yeah. and in a way as much as possible that they can understand what you know because there's so much jargon there's so much technical stuff i mean you know how much it takes to get wrap your head around this stuff so we need to like be able to you know, exactly. digest it all and spit it out in a way that will make sense to people. And, and to that's give it a, it's really and context. The and that's context really, is so important. it's really hard. Yeah. But it's like I said before, I think it's a great community report because people really do care yeah. and they are plugged in. And you know that when you do that, people are reading it and, and it's important to them. So it's, it's nice. I, I it's think we nice. should all collaborate on this reporting going forward. I mean, Beth, yeah. you do so much environmental reporting. It would be great, really, like to yeah. have, you know, I saw I work think on O'Reilly would do a great job you know? on this for the press. Yeah. We we've yeah. all collaborated before on big regional topics, and I think we'll yeah. be more than happy to do it again in the future. This is behind the headlines on WLIWFM, where we collaborate on a weekly conversation. <laughs> I like the one we're having. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists today, Beth Young of the East End Beacon, Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, and Kitty Merrill from the Express News Group. And uh, Beth, uh, up in Southfield, so another issue we talk about almost every week on the show <laughs> is affordable housing. Yeah. But this is the problem when the rubber hits the road, you had a proposal for some affordable housing in, I believe it was Kachan? Yeah, that, yes. And, um, and and it didn't happen, right? Yeah, it was uh, 24 units on, I believe, six acres on what they call the North Road up here, the North Road of the North Fork, um, which uh, is County Road 48. It's a four-lane highway. Um, it's surrounded by farm fields. Um, the uh, woman who uh, bought this property is a longtime like, advocate for community housing. She's for like decades. And she thought, I, I think what her thinking buying this property was like, it's surrounded by farm fields and people won't complain. But the big complaint that ended up coming up was that it isn't in the Hamlet Center, which is it's where, surrounded by farm fields. <laughs> it's like, right? it's, yeah, it's really... Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, you're damned if you do and if you don't. Right. Um, but uh, but uh, so the the town board's been kicking this around, the Southfield Town Board, for about several months now, and they just voted it down uh, in a four to two vote this week. So it's not um, in the Hamlet Center meeting. Transportation's an issue, and for people yeah. living there, and 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 quite a few people who talk at the public hearing. And I think the public hearing was kind of they they kind of leaned slightly toward the um the side of the affordable housing i mean the people who were opposed to it were primarily 
property owners around around it. Yeah. Um, Maybe. And, uh, and but yeah. Neutralize them. <laughs> <laughs> but you made the point. But you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. If you yeah. if if you propose affordable housing in the middle of a village or a hamlet, like in Sag Harbor, one of the opposition. Yeah. messages is well you're changing the nature of the village by adding housing to it so then you'd put it somewhere that's a little more remote but it's but it's along a major major uh, artery and everything and and they say well it's too far out it's so yeah. this is this is the and problem with with the with the whole concept yeah and i mean especially in such a rural area i mean people were saying like if you've been to kachog like the uh the Hamlet Center of Kutchog is still not within walking distance of the grocery store, which is another like mile or so up the road. So right. you still have to like find a way to get to the grocery store. There's nothing in the Hamlet Center really other than the post office and the bus stop and some real estate offices and a deli. So w what is the advantage of being in, in the Hamlet Center of such Hamlet. a small Hamlet? <laughs> uh, like this whole walkability thing, it's, yeah. it sounds good. And I mean, maybe it works in like Hempstead. I don't know, or someplace yeah. where they've got reliable public transportation. It works in Greenport. It, I mean, but I mean, yeah. but generally out here, like if people don't have a car, they're stuck. Like, yeah. you know, having transit oriented development in the way of like five story apartment buildings in Riverhead is just a joke because there's no transit to orient the development to. Like, <laughs> right. There's a lousy bus service, you know, um, and, yeah, I, and a train and I, that runs so two I times think, a day. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think. The irony, too, Beth, is the, the person who owns this property proposed this as affordable housing. I'm guessing now that that's been rejected, it's six acres. They can probably go get what? They, eight, they, can, they can build big houses on it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and now and <laughs> just do it a regular subdivision. Yeah. Money. Probably yeah. make a lot more money doing that. And and there's your problem with why we don't have any affordable housing right there is that if the if the if government doesn't encourage it, in places the the market certainly won't so yeah that seems that seems um it's a splash of cold water as we talk about the community housing fund and things like that there's there's still i think there's still a hill to get over uh um, so, with so much resistance everybody yeah. says yeah. yeah yeah affordable housing we got to fix that but as long as it's someplace uh, else yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, and that's and always the, what it ends up being no question and, and the people who are people who are working to to get the word out about the vote this november for the community housing fund to really have to step up their game if they want something to happen I, mean, that's common I, I, th I think it's important yeah. to really recognize that like nimbyism is a thing like and it's yeah. a problem mm -hmm. it really is and i you know <laughs> and, i mean not it's, not that it should be handled the way they wanted to do with <laughs> nelson pub and Voorhees contract but you know people well, have also, uh, you know and, and then there's also even beyond the NIMBYs, you have the bananas, what's what's building anything. How's it go? Building anything anywhere near anyone, never allowed. <laughs> oh, okay. I've never, never heard of one for me. Is that like an environmentalist? That's an East Hampton thing, <laughs> trust me. Uh, okay. we'll, put, we'll put that in the vernacular. I don't know. I've never bananas. heard that. Bananas. That's good. You got to get that Don't tell the NIMBY people about the bananas. Anyone, never acceptable. Yeah. That's there, you there you go. There you go. So we're out of time. Uh, wow. Great conversation this week, though. Uh, I want to thank Kitty Merrill from our own newsroom and Beth Young from the East End Beacon and Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local. Thank you, guys. Good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. My co-host, Bill Sutton. Thank you. See you, see you here next week. And, thank you, Joe. Uh, and thank you to our listeners. We uh, This has been Behind the Headlines. We'll be back next weekend for another conversation. Thanks, guys. Thank you.